0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Transcending Together with Julianne and Lee. Good afternoon, beautiful and amazing human beings. Welcome to the show. Hello from me.
1: And it's hello from Lee.
0: I like that. We got that right this time. (laughs) (laughs) So how's everyone doing? I hope you guys have had a... A good week. How about you, Lee? What you been up to?
1: Well, this week's gone by quite quickly. I, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's weekend soon, so I'm quite happy about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but what are you going to do over the weekend with the weather the way it is?
1: Catch up on Netflix, probably.
0: Yeah, it's probably all you can do. Yeah. (laughs) Although the weather's supposedly getting better, so I guess we should be grateful for small mercies, such as they are. So this week. Given that our spitballing sessions seem to be bearing fruit, we thought we would do that again. And this week, we are going to talk about, first of all, hoarding. Are you a hoarder?
1: I try not to be. I'm less of a hoarder than my wife. I can get rid of things that I no longer need, but there's some things that you just hold on to for whether it's sentimental value or whatever, but I I think I'd probably like about a medium.
0: Okay, okay. So you like to sort of keep things in case there's tougher times ahead.
1: Yeah, you, you might need it, as my grandmother used to say, for a rainy day. (laughs)
0: For a rainy day. Okay, well we know lots about rainy days. So do you think that hoarding sixteen point nine billion pounds is gonna get you through a rainy day?
1: Well, I would just like a couple of million of those billions, but yeah, you know, they 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 could they could take you through a a good good rainy spell.
0: Yeah, well, that's what's got me triggered. So last week, HSBC came out and announced that their profits for the last six months, mind you, not even for the last year, for the last six months were 16.9 billion pounds. And to put that in perspective, that 16.9 plus eight zeros and that's uh, pre-tax profits so that's the profit they made from all of the operating activities before they have to pay any tax i mean we all know the tax bills not going to be representative either but it does make you wonder that's the money that they've got left over after they've paid for everything they've paid their salaries they've paid rents on their buildings council taxes whatever it is into bank Lending rates, all the fancy stuff that they get on with. And yet, after paying for all of that, they have £16.9 billion left over. And for the avoidance of all doubt, let's remember they don't actually make anything. They don't produce anything. It's like if they were making something that was super-duper relevant to modern society fine. But that $16.9 billion includes all the interest that they're charging people on their mortgages and their credit cards and all the other various things that you have to borrow money for in order to be able to afford them. And it makes me sick to my stomach. At what point is enough enough? How much more do you actually need? I'm speechless by this. What do you think, Lee?
1: Yeah, it's linked back to a previous conversation that we've had, I think, in terms of how do they, they don't Making anything, they're not selling anything. It's on the interest that they charge us when we take out mortgages and and things like that. And if you have a look at the flip side, which is what we've discussed before, it's if you were saving and you put money into a savings account, they then lend that money out to somebody else multiple times yeah and that's how they make their profit because there's just such a wide gap between the income that they get from loans and mortgages and the interest paid on customer deposits
0: yeah and then they screw up and they lose it all and then the taxpayers have to come in and bail them out like what happened in 2008
1: yeah yeah
0: And we're heading into just such a crash again. And I'm actually beyond angry about this because if you worked for that bank, and when I was working for a bank, the reason why they make such obscene profits while not justifying paying salaries is because they use what's known as weighted average cost of capital. So I was managing a portfolio of credit cards and central bank, the, the treasury of the bank that I worked for, so not the government treasury, would charge my business unit this fictitious rate for the money that I was lending out to people on these credit cards. So they could justify that I wasn't profitable. But then when when the end of the financial year came around, suddenly they'd made all these billions in profit. So they use one number to justify not paying you and another number to give that money to their shareholders. And I think it comes back to, even if you're not a socialist, surely there is a point at which something that is a utility, something that, as we talked about quite a few shows ago, you can't get a house without a mortgage. You can't buy a car without a car loan and most people can barely get through the month without a credit card or an overdraft. These things are utilities, they're things that are absolutely fundamental and critical to modern society and yet you've got these people making excruciating profits off the back of that and if you are not a socialist then explain to me how you think that's okay. Because the age-old mantra was the shareholders are taking all the risk. No, they're not. As we've seen, they're not. We are. The taxpayer is. I mean, that absurd situation with Thames Water, where across the water industry, they've paid $60 billion out in dividends. And remember, dividends are a percentage of the profit. So if they've paid 60 billion in dividends, the profit must have been absolutely monumental. But at the same time, they've taken on a shed load of debt. Well, just so happens, 60 billion. So, yeah, something is, to use Shakespeare, something is rotten in the state of Denmark or Britain.
1: yeah if you just pause and think about what we've just said, there's a disturbing scene where large corporations and it's not h s just hsBC, but large corporations are feasting as it were, on high profits while the common people are squeezed beyond their ability to cope anymore, and it's an unforgiving grip that is on us, and
0: it's you know due to inflation. Yeah, exactly. And to put it in perspective, so BP, and don't get me wrong, I'm not siding with the oil companies either, the energy companies. So in the same week, they reported their second quarter earning at 2.6 billion. I'm assuming if that's a quarter, I'm not sure if that means it's twice that for, for the six months. I think it's probably the same. So after two quarters, they've earned 2.6 billion. Of course, it's reported the headline was second quarter earnings plunge to 2.6 billion on lower refining margins. They plunged to 2.6 billion? I guess just as well, they saved for a rainy day last year when they were making 10 times that. But if you contrast that to a bank and you consider all the moving parts operating an energy company, they, they maintain their network infrastructure, they've got all those forecourts and pumps and oil tanks, and they've got to move the oil around and they've got to make calls on do I buy oil in advance or do I wait and see what the price does. Running an energy company is a complicated matter. So $2.6 billion, yes, it's a lot of profit. But how does that stack up against the $16.9 billion that a company that makes absolutely nothing, that has mostly decimated its branch infrastructure? They're both wrong, but one is definitely more wrong than the other. <laughs>
1: Yeah, at least with companies like BP they're actually producing something other than a service like the banks. Um mm. but is it really even a service because like we've said before the money that you put into the bank they just lend out again multiple 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 times and that's where they make their profit and that just seems so wrong.
0: Yeah. In theory BP can only sell that liter of oil once. That liter yes. of petrol. Yeah. <laughs> They can't magically take one litre of petrol and sell it to 10 other people and, <laughs> and hope none of you use it all at the same time. Can you imagine? I hope I haven't just given them a business model. <laughs> they probably would try if they could.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's unconscionable. And it comes back to this question around at what point is enough enough? How much? I don't I'm not saying I've had enough. What I'm saying is so it's not in that context. I'm saying how much is enough for you? It's like Jeff Bezos. How wealthy does he need to be? Elon Musk. How wealthy does he need to be? Bill Gates. How wealthy does he need to be? you know, surely, and this is what Bernie Sanders talks about, and Jeremy Corbyn talked about, is there has to be, imagine how much Jeff Bezos could pay his workers if he wasn't so single-mindedly trying to hoard all of this money. And there's a really good cartoon on it, where, or it's maybe a meme or something like that, where it says, you know, if you hoard 10 years of newspapers (laughs) and magazines and Reader's Digest and all the rest of it, you're called crank and loon. But when you hoard billions of dollars, they put you on the front page of Forbes magazine and you held up as this scion of industry. And to me, it's all just a load of crap, quite honestly. And I just don't think it's sustainable. At a certain point, we've just got to say it You've got enough money now, start paying your workers, start paying the people at Amazon. Over the break, I'll go and have a look and see what Amazon made last year, put it in context. Anything you want to say before we go to the break, Lee?
1: Yeah, I think to close out this segment is that we need to talk about the corporate gluttony, the greed, and how that is affecting us and driving inflation,
0: Yeah, exactly. So just going into the break. So Amazon gross profit for the quarter ending 31st of March 2023 was $59.56 billion. A 20% increase on the same quarter last year. Inconscionable. See you after the break. Oh, I love this. this, this we continue this. in moments. This is
2: good. Yes, yes. You're locked to Trans Radio UK. Many website owners don't like their website hosting company or support provider, but are too scared to move to someone else in case they lose their site or it affects their business. Based in Telford, at Purple Prince Media, we will move your website to us free of charge with the best support possible. And if you're looking to start up a business, we're also here to design and build your website from the ground up with unbeatable prices on web hosting and dedicated servers. We're also certified Magento developers, which is the world's biggest e-commerce platform. So rest assured, your online business is just a click away. Drop us an email on hello at purpleprince.co.uk or visit purpleprince.co.uk to get started. Purple Prince Media, the local website company. Win £25,000 and help Truck Listens at the same time. Enter the Rainbow Lottery and click Truck Listens as your chosen organisation. And not only can you win £25,000, 50p of every ticket purchased will go to Truck Listens. Please see www.transradiouk.com and click win £25,000 for more details. Ever thought about having your own radio show? Well, now you can, as we're looking for presenters to join our team. No experience is needed and minimal equipment required. For more information, email info at transradiouk.com. Trans Radio UK. Tune in via DAB in Ireland. Download our app via your smart speaker or online at transradiouk.com. Malcolm here. Don't go anywhere as we bring you some more trucking, great music and jazz here
0: on Trans Radio UK. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings and capitalists. So, you what were you thinking about over the break? What I was
1: thinking about is that the average person on the street isn't really taking a pause and thinking about what's really going on. It's like we all brainwashed. You see on the news, the Bank of England raises interest rates for the fourth time in 2023 alone. And you just sit there and you go, okay, the interest rates have raised, but people aren't actually doing anything about it. They're just sucking it all in and going, okay, that complacency, it's like the average mortgage would have skyrocketed and wages and salaries aren't keeping up with that. It's like, why are people so complacent?
0: yeah and coming up to an election you know because we're starting we're going to start getting into the election cycle soon and the tories have already said they're going to bring on the culture war and this is what we should be debating with our political leaders is what do they plan to do about this because this is otherwise known as price gorging and i just think the idea that capitalism is better than socialism because russia went bankrupt or the ussr went bankrupt well sorry to wake you out of your stupor, capitalists, but you actually went bankrupt in 2008. And in a massive act of corporate socialism, the future financial security of the entire British population's future generations was given over to the banks so that they could hoard 16.9 billion. And I'd love to know what the actual tax bill is. I would love to know because you can only imagine it's a very, very small percentage of that. It's certainly not the effective. Twenty-nine or thirty percent that you and me pay in income tax, and just considering that sixty billion with Amazon, I mean they also don't make anything, do they? They distribute, and and I suppose like BP, yes, it's a complicated business. So they're moving a lot of stuff around the world, and to be honest, their customer service is frankly unparalleled. I've had a lot of situations where people say to me, "Oh, why do you still use them then?" Well, I use them because if you buy the thing and it's not right, you can send it back, and often And they'll just say to you, yeah, we'll send you another one. Don't bother sending the other one back because it's more hassle than it's worth to them because they don't really have the logistics to take stuff back into stock, especially if it's not working. So they they would rather just have you take it down to the tip for them rather than them having to take it down to the tip. So in a way, yes, you're getting one for free, but it's only because you're basically doing their returns (laughs) process for them. And Amazon employees are probably going to be the first on the chop block when it comes to AI and automation. They already are a massively automated business. I bought these little uplighters for my bedroom and they were supposed to come with this little gadget that made it easy for you to put the light bulb in. And it didn't come with this little gadget. And the little gadget was only like two pounds on Amazon. But I just thought, no, let let me phone them up. I phoned them up and I said, can you just send me that little gadget? And they were like, "Mm, no, it's better if you just return the whole thing to us. I said, no, it works. It's just it was a real hassle to get the globe in. And when I come to replace the globe, I'd like to have that little widget, whatever it is, (laughs) which I've actually lost anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea where that is now that I come to think about it. And they were just like, oh, don't worry, we'll just send you another item. And hopefully that'll have one in it. And was it... (laughs) that was easier for them to do than just package up and send me out the two pound widget. So yeah, great customer service, don't get me wrong, but maybe they should be paying their employees more. And I fear that their staff bill is going to fall exponentially with the advent of AI. And those are the kind of jobs that are just fundamental to a functioning society.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are concerned about having their jobs replaced by AI. And it's like, what are people going to do if they don't have their jobs, how are they going to survive? It's almost like a continuation of this narrative of trying to get rid of us as, as a species, you know, or at least cut our numbers down. If you can't work, you can't yeah. eat and you'll starve. And it's quite frightening. I mean, like even in my job and, you know, I'm I'm a project manager during the day. Well, there's AI that can you know, do all the the grunt work of project management and writing documentation and writing project plans and things like that and it's just in its infancy and it can do all that yeah it's quite scary what you know what could happen in the future when ai takes over
0: i think the really interesting thing in software development though is you have to ask ai a very specific question because if you asked it to solve global warming it would probably do its calculations and work out okay well one cause as human beings so let's just get rid of them (laughs) (laughs) so if you're going to be developing software you've got to ask it the right question you and i both know if you don't specify what it is you want you're going to get what you didn't ask for so especially if you're dealing with an offshore company where they just see the documents and they write the code based on the document you sent them there's no intuiting there's no discussion there's no clarification they just say, okay, you want the code to do this, boom, there's the code, it does that. You say, Yeah, but now hang on a minute, you've broken this other thing over there. And they're like, Well You, you didn't, didn't say it- that. <laughs> yeah, you didn't you didn't tell us not to break that thing over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it's I think no, that's that is one of the aspects with AI, but I do think, yeah, in terms of Automation and job automation and those sorts of things. You talk about writing documents. I have written, God, I, I'd hate to think how many volumes of specifications and business documents I've written over my long and checkered past. But when I reflect on it, I, th- <laughs> there's a thing that I always do whenever somebody asks me for a particular document. Somewhere in that document, I'll put a line in that says, If you find this I'll, and come see me, I will give you five pounds. Obviously, it's gone up with inflation. <laughs> it, was, it used to be like a pound or 50p. But the point was, I've never paid out. I've never, ever had someone come to me and say, I read your document beginning to end, and I see here it says you're going to give me five quid. So... Yeah, maybe we can automate that because no one ever reads the stuff anyway, if we're exactly,
1: honest. Exactly, yeah. I'm going to try that. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm going to give that a try in the next document I write. Because you're right, nobody reads that stuff. They don't. You know?
0: Not with a critical eye. Not to like really ingest and understand what it is that you're putting across. They just want to know you've written a specification. Yeah, So they can go boxed. through their yeah, they can do their ISO nine thousand and one thing that says, Wine. Yes, we've got yeah, we've we've got a specification, tick, governance passed. It doesn't question the quality of what was in there. I remember actually speaking of stupid governance policies. When I was working for this bank in South Africa, I got a qualified audit from the HR auditors. And it's a big deal when your department gets a qualified audit, if you're in a bank, because that can be anything from you've misappropriated millions of pounds. Or, as was the case with me, no one's going to believe me, I was given a qualified audit because the files which I kept my employee records in were in pink folders, not manila folders. And the Sarbanes-Oxley governance requirements was that all employee records are to be kept in manila folders so <laughs> that was my qualified audit and I lost my bonus because of it because I, I was putting employee records in the wrong colored folder color. they, were in, they were in the right place and they were locked and secured and all the rest of it but just the color of the folders was wrong I kid you not
1: <laughs> I believe you I can completely
0: believe you I really do and you know what you were saying about overpopulation and they just want to cut us down I mean on the one hand the one which I've said with AI is if you go back and you look at the economic model the businesses need to pay wages to the households for the households to be able to buy the goods that the businesses produce. So eventually, you if you're not paying any money to the households, does it, then there's no point in making anything because no one can afford to buy it. And that to me is where I think there is going to be some sort of sanity check on this because... As a business, you know, let's take Amazon. They automate their entire thing, lay off however many hundreds of thousands of people they employ. Those people now can't buy stuff from other businesses because they've got no money and they're going to come to the government. So they i going to say, government, now I'm unemployed. I was a box stuffer at, at Amazon and I can't get a job in Walmart because there aren't any jobs in Walmart. So what am I going to do? So it's going to fall to the state once again to step in and come up with a means to manage these people and and give them a livelihood. But even if we take your rather scary conspiracy theory, that they just want us all dead, if no one's around to buy stuff on Amazon, then Amazon's not going to make any money, are they, regardless of how low their cost of distribution is. So they can't take the consumer out of the equation entirely, unless you, which is my hope, you completely reinvent how society is structured but if you don't pay people they can't buy stuff and they've got away with it for so long because people could get credit and they supplemented when we were talking about buying power of the household (laughs) yeah the dogs dogs got upset there when i mentioned credit just for the record that's lee's dogs this week oh no there's mine <laughs> the dogs are crazy. They're <laughs> saying hello to each other. <laughs> oh god. On that note, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Go and see what our dogs are doing. See you in a bit. Oh I love this. We continue in moments. This is
2: good. Yes,
0: yes. You're locked to Trans
1: Radio UK are you trans and non-binary and feel like drugs or alcohol are impacting your life negatively why not check out transsober we're a grassroots peer support group for the community by the community find us at www.transsober.org and join us online or come to one of our weekly drop-ins we also offer other useful resources
0: looking for business cards flyers in fact anything in print we can help Digital Format Specialists www.printsmart.uk.com Think smart, print smart Did you know you can advertise with us for less than a pound
2: a day? Call 0207 856 0584 or email sales at transradiouk.com Trans Radio UK A global radio station The whole LGBTQ plus community can Can be be proud of Are you looking
0: for an intimate and affordable graphic design service? Are you an indie author needing help to publish your book? Theodora Rosenberg is here to help. With packages for marketing, publishing and branding available, you're sure to be satisfied. Find out more at authortheorose.com Trans Radio UK is on. Right now. Across the UK and beyond. Now. Now.
2: More of the music you love. More. Trans Radio, Trans Radio UK. UK.
0: Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings and politicians. <laughs> you, you'll get a flavor for who's not included in my beautiful and amazing human beings. <laughs> so we've had capitalists and politicians. I wonder who it'll be after the next break. Yeah, so... It's quite scary because Bill Gates apparently is on record as saying, and maybe in the next break I'll see if I can find it and play it for you guys, but he's actually on record. He was he was recorded at a conference saying the he was talking about population growth and he was saying you know, the, the population of the world is soaring to 9 billion by a certain date, and even if we do a really great job on vaccines, we're not going to slow it down at all. <laughs> <laughs> And so he's definitely saying the quiet bit out loud there. Did you hear about that?
1: Yeah, I've heard about that. We're just useless eaters, as they call us.
0: Yeah, but if we're not there buying shit, oh,
1: yeah, but they're not going to get ish. rid of. They're not going to get rid of every single one. But you know, if they could, you know, knock it down to a more reasonable, more manageable, more controllable size, then you know,
0: I think he got there in the end. It. You got there in the end. It's 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 get it down to a controllable size. Yeah, so they can control us. Yes, apparently the transgender agenda is all part of that. I was watching a thing with David Icke the other day, and he was saying how trans people are useful idiots to the global cabal because we are messing with the George Soros and the global new world order, want to disrupt the natural order of the human species. And part of that is to degenderize everybody. And I just think, well, if that's their agenda, and they've only managed so far to affect 1% of the UK population, probably less so worldwide, <laughs> don't think they're doing too good on that. I don't think it's working. I, I really... I kind of think it's probably got nothing to do with the new world order. And if they were really backing us, we wouldn't be under so much pressure as we are right now. So I just think that's the biggest load of poppycock out there.
1: Well, I think this is something that we should perhaps do an entire show on, is that kind of thought process. Because I would turn around and say, well, yeah, I think that's part of it, because they're trying to feminize males so that, the strong, protective, masculine male isn't there to, to fight them and that sort of thing. So, I don't know. It's perhaps for How another they, show.
0: I don't know. I'm curious now. How are they feminizing the men? Well, turning them into trans women. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It. It's like but, but are they, though? Because yes.
1: Well, I think that's the, the, the right, flaw and the, the plan.
0: You, don't, you think that's their plan. It's just not working very well.
1: Yeah, there's a flaw in it. So how are they doing that? Brainwashing, propaganda, you know, that, that sort of thing, mind control. Because you're encouraging, okay, this is this is way out. And this is not what I believe, absolutely not. But if you think about it, in history, right, you've always had the males being the the protector, the warrior, that kind of thing, you know. And in a rebellion, it would be the males that would go out and fight off the king's army or or whatever, and not the women, because they were perceived as weaker. So if you have more of your male population that are not as aggressive and are too afraid to be masculine, and I'm talking about that in more of a sort of like a spiritual sense, you know, masculine, the protector. If you don't have that because the narrative is that, you know, let's be genderless, then you're not going to have a bunch of, of, you know, warrior men out there fighting against the control, because another strand of this is like the toxic masculinity. You know, that's, you can't be a toxic male anymore. You can't show aggression. And it's because you don't want to breed warrior men. You want passive resistive men so that they don't rebel against you.
0: Do you think it's working to the extent that, well, why why do you suppose the British are so cowed when the French aren't? Because, and also, I mean, just while you were talking there, I was thinking of Queen Boudicca, who saw off the Roman army. She was a, a warrior woman and a great military strategist. So was Joan of Arc, who had a heart. If Joan of Arc, you know that one? Um, <laughs> so um you know in theory that oh yeah I I don't I get what you're saying but I still think if that's their plan it's not working at all because men are just you you look at the right wing men they're just becoming even more violent so I I don't know I'll, I'll have to think about that but I don't because I don't necessarily agree that I think women are conditioned to believe they need men to defend them. And certainly, one-on-one, physically, yes, a man will generally be stronger than a woman. And it is, women are generally more at risk than men are. But yeah, that's an interesting one. I think that could go down a real deep rabbit hole. Let's do some research on that for next week, because I'm not sure where I've landed on that. (laughs)
1: I mean, it might might be a plan, but it might not be a very successful one, as you are alluding to.
0: Yeah, because I don't see, I think there are other systemic reasons why the British people have become so compliant. And I don't think it's got anything to do with feminizing. And I mean, whenever people say to me, oh, yeah, well, you know, they're, they're putting stuff in the water and frogs are becoming transgender and stuff like that. I just say to well, I grew up in Zimbabwe. That was growing up as a tough boy into a tough young man was all I knew. And yet I was still trans. So unless they were doing something to the water in Zimbabwe in 1970, then I don't know. I I, I'm not sure I agree. And what about what we were talking about last week with the Wingte people? In, in fact, it was on the news, funnily enough. Last week, the same day that our show went out, was on the news, was a segment about two spirit people. I thought that's really weird. I actually went, I was on the chat room and I'm like, hey, 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 I want to talk about that later. (laughs) But yeah, so I think there is a bit of a, you know, how where would they fit in then? If the original peoples of the Americas, Australasia, China, if this was part of their cultural heritage, then... That kind of undoes that entire line of argument, don't you think?
1: Yeah, like I said, this is not something that I believe in. It's stuff that I've read. And you know, I think, like you said, there's a deep, dark rabbit hole to go down. It's certainly not my opinion. Like, like I said last week, with this two, two-spirit people, how, how wonderful an idea was. You know, you gave that example of... The men would go out and hunt, and the two-spirit people would be there to kind of like, you know, nurture and, and protect the woman. And they had a thriving culture like that before interference.
0: Yeah. And I mean, also, did you see how the men dressed in those days? I mean, talk about frills and high heels. <laughs> <laughs> You look at old pictures of Cortez and he's like one of the biggest butchers of the world. And he dressed like what would today be some sort of, that would be a caricature of a feminine male. I mean, look how they dressed in the 70s. I mean, that was, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the 70s invented the mankini. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was Borat made it iconic, but the mankini was actually invented in the 70s. So I I remember growing up and just looking at it thinking, yeah, because because of the cultural gender binary society that I grew up in, I obviously I saw my sisters wearing one piece swimming costumes and thinking, oh, I wish I could wear one of those. And I'd look back and in, in you know pictures from the thirties and forties, and the men wore one piece. I was like, well, if it was okay in the forties, why isn't it okay now? And it's only because culturally. We're told no, that's that's for girls. It's not for boys. And of course, now all the Olympic swimmers wear <laughs> wear one piece because actually you swim better. So yeah, I I don't think it's it's a nefarious plot. I think it's it's all down to their divide and rule nonsense. And speaking of, there's something I want to talk about after the break but we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be back right after this oh I love this
2: we continue in moments this
0: is good
2: yes yes you're locked to Trans Radio UK
1: if you're transgender feeling lonely and don't think there's any help available well now Trans Radio UK have track listens a confidential phone service just for you on 0800 009 Six six four zero. Talk for some time and you're feeling good. It's gone so much better than you thought it would. And you really glad you went and made that phone. Go on, make that call. It's a small price. To talk to someone who's both sympathetic and empathetic, call Truck Listens. 0800-009-6640. Truck, listen, 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 listen.
2: Did you know we receive no funding here at Trans Radio UK? To keep us on air and growing, we rely on donations. To donate, please head to www.transradiouk.com and click the link. A regular payment of £20 will see you become a partner of Truck. Other options are available. Email info@transradiouk.com for details. A big thank you from all the team here at Trans Radio UK. The world's largest radio station for the trans community. Trans Radio UK.
0: Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings and racists. So, <laughs> and gender criticals. So, speaking of. Lee, did you see that story last week about Costa Coffee facing a boycott over irresponsible advert of a trans man?
1: Yeah, I, di- I did. And it was like, here yeah, we go again. You know, Budweiser part two with, you know, the, the way people have been carrying on and calling it out.
0: Yeah, and then I, was, I saw something today on Twitter that someone was saying actually the photo was from Pride last year. So it was something specific to Pride. So it's not even like it's current. Somebody's dug this up and it just comes back to this whole thing about them wanting to... This was in... So I came across it in the Tory graph, the Telegraph, which I do read because one of the journals on the sports side has been very kind in covering my own journey and my fight with the RFU. So I do subscribe mainly for that, but then obviously I have the benefit of reading what the other side are reading. And it's quite interesting because they had a survey on the article and the total total votes, 10,457. The question was, are you boycotting Costa due to their cartoon advert? And the yeses win on 64 and the noes lose on 36. And that's kind of like saying, do you think the Pope is a Catholic? i mean i'm not i what i'm surprised is that 36 percent of telegraph readers aren't going to boycott costa because of it i would have thought the percentage would be much higher amongst telegraph readers to be quite honest so i'll take that as a win (laughs) but it just got me thinking again about when a brand comes out as pro lgbt and the conservatives then, or conservative-minded people, the right-wing type people, and the gender criticals, clutch their pearls and say they're going to boycott. That's expressed as a positive thing, like yes, market forces. People are demanding that these coffee, that these companies don't aren't supportive of LGBT rights. So they say the whole the whole essence of this article was defending the people. Who were, going, who were saying that they were going to boycott Costa Coffee. And I'm just calling on everybody, show them some love and go and get yourself some Costa Coffee. <laughs> my friends have been posting pictures on Facebook all day of their, their Costa Coffee that they bought. <laughs> and I'm working from home, so my Costa Coffee is in the kitchen. But yeah, so uh, I suppose I could get some Costa Coffee beans, hey? I'll do that, actually. Yeah. I'll get some Costa coffee beans. Yeah, but it's it's framed as legitimate protest, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, they should totally boycott over this particular thing, like boycotting Bud Light and Nike and all of these other controversies that we've had over. Uh, I, hesitate to say summer because we haven't really had a summer Mm -hmm. but when we get upset about something a brand has done or a person has done so one of the things on trans radio is we're very sensitive to making sure we don't play artists who have a particular who are provably anti-LGBT like Morrissey for example, and then when one of the Pride festivals cancelled, I can't even think who it was, cancelled their appearance, and when the Edinburgh Festival cancelled that MP, they say, oh, this is cancelled culture gone mad. So, so we're not allowed to boycott, because it's the same thing we're doing. We're saying, if that's what you say you are, then we're not going to engage with you. We're not going to have you come and sing at our concerts or promote your products or promote your music. But now we're cancelling. We're not defended as, you know, can you imagine if the Telegraph ran a thing that said Brighton Pride is facing, no, I I can't even bend my head around it to think about it from the other side. But, they, you know, if we cancelled, tell you what it is. I'll tell you one thing. There is a bit of a growing movement to try and get political parties, especially the Tories and Labour, to not be allowed to march in pride parades because of their duplicitous position on it. And everybody's saying, oh, you can't cancel them. Why can't? Why not? If Costa Coffee can be boycotted because of an advert that they ran. Why can't we boycott those political parties? We don't want them in our space because they don't respect our space.
1: It's an interesting concept, and it could actually work. You just have to do it once. I mean, I think this is what's happening with you know, Costa Coffee, it's been boycotting of Budweiser. That went down so well for the boycotters because they lost billions. And now they're going to try it on, on everyone else. So if it was reversed, and like you say, about political parties that don't share the same ideas, then perhaps it just takes one to boycott a political party that's not in, in line. You mean, you, know?
0: you mean from like Pride and things like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think you you have just got to kind of do it once. It'll cause a huge-ish storm. (laughs) Trying not to swear here. (laughs) It'll cause a huge-ish storm. But yeah, I think it's right because they can't... This is the thing which I just find so disingenuous where you've got the conservative LGBT part. What do they even call it? Caucus or... Something. And I just, and there are Tory MPs who are gay, gay men. I think there might be some gay women. I'm not sure. But I suppose they are, they're all part of that LGB without the T brigade, aren't they? And if Pride is about LGBTQIA plus quilt bag, the whole quilt bag, then it's disingenuous for them to come along and march with trans people when they very clearly don't support trans people and although it's not Brighton Pride it's not trans pride but it's inclusive surely everybody who's marching or sponsoring Brighton Pride or any pride for that matter must embrace the entire ethos of what it's about you can't be a Tory who's and and not you know if these people within the Tory party were outspoken in their defense of trans people it would be a different story same with labor Yeah, people within the working groups within Labour, the Labour youth movement, for example, came out against Keir Starmer and called him out and said, You've got to stop this anti trans rhetoric. So yeah, in that instance Sure, but at the end of the day, if Keir Starmer is our next Prime Minister, it's going to be his framework that gets implemented. And if the person at the top is anti-trans people, then as far as I'm concerned, the snake rots from the head down, right? So I'm just going to tie them all with the same brush.
1: Yeah, what it boils down to is a manifestation of deep-rooted beliefs, cultural dynamics and social value. And I think if people are, are not, as we've discussed before, if you're not willing to To reflect and engage collectively by understanding one another and and differences then I think we're in a lot of trouble. We we need to be reflecting on the complexities and the contradictions in a contemporary society. And as you were saying in our show last week, it's about working together,
0: the community.
1: So I think we're in a lot of trouble if we can't take a pause and reflect on what's going on around us.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about something you said last week and it occurred to me, and I think you said it in the break, so it wasn't in the show but i was just thinking about you said something what you said was about how we had to team up to take down a mastodon right yeah. and the anthropologists believe that that teamwork the fact that we could now take down bigger prey And defend ourselves more effectively against the saber-toothed tigers and those other predators. That's what actually gave us, I was reading something about that this week, which is what made me think, hang on, I don't remember that coming up on the show, but I remember you talking about it. And it does come back to, as a species, we are diverse. We are naturally diverse. We have different skin colors, eye colors, hair colors, types of hair, types of skin. We are a diverse species. So why do we, we, we just back on this again, you know, this idea of having to, we can accept all of those other things, but whatever you do, like, so they, the racists claim to have got over their racism. But it's funny, it's the same people that are now anti-trans. They've just found something new to clutch their pearls about. and uh,
1: Deep-rooted beliefs.
0: Yeah, and, and a funny thing happened. And also because I got a message from when I was growing up, I think I've talked about my next door neighbor and him and I were really, really good friends. And he's still in touch with all the people that still live on this on the road that we used to live on. And so there's there's one or two families that are actually still there. And they're always giving him updates on who's moving in, who's moving out. And they still call all the houses by the original people who lived there. So there's the Swift house and the Curtis house and the Morrison house and the Hartley house. And (laughs) so I got this message from him today with apparently everybody is all up in arms because there's a member of the gold mafia that's something we could talk about anyways this whole black market gold and smuggling money laundering thing that's going on in Zimbabwe at the moment and one of these people has actually just bought the house that, that I grew up in and this person reached out to my friend and he sent it on to me and he said oh look look who's moving into your old house and it was this article on this guy and I was like well good for him <laughs> you know you move on and a really good another Zimbabwean friend of Mine who who was kicked off his farm in the early 2000s and he's living over here now he's got a um, landscaping business and I said does it still annoy you and he said you, if you keep looking back at what you've lost you can't look forward to what you may gain and I just thought wow yeah and and this is someone who was violently removed from his farm and I mean violently, he was lucky to get out alive there were there was him and two of his neighbors that were actually on like the front pages of the papers in South Africa, all bloodied up and beaten up. so I just figure, well, if he can get over it, I'm pretty sure I can get over <laughs> this gold smuggler moving into my old family house. <laughs> And the people who are living there, you know, it's been so long. I mean, for heaven's sake, what are we now? Twenty, thirty, forty, forty-three years since Zimbabwe gained independence, and you still got people there sitting there, cutting over their gin and tonics, mm-hmm. and bemoaning the the natives. It, it just is, it's astounding that, that So, why are you still there then? If you if you don't like it, leave. Because trust me, if you're living where I lived and you're still living there in those houses and those suburbs, you're not doing too badly, mate. So maybe just be grateful that you weren't kicked off your little house the same way this friend of mine was kicked off his farm. So anyway, yeah, we've covered a a fair variety of topics this week. Another one of those down the rabbit hole with Julianne and Lee. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I was, I guess just summing up. I mean, this week, the you know these rampant gluttonous profits, these boycotts of brands who try to stand up for the trans community, people who think it's all some sort of agenda. Yeah, it was a bit of a rant, I guess, in some ways this week. But yeah, Lee, what what's your last? Oh, I've got hiccups. What's your last thoughts on the matter?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's about moving beyond. Polarized positions to engage in constructive dialogue that fosters understanding and respect and inclusivity. Inclusivity.
0: <laughs> inclusivity. Inclusivity.
1: inclusivity. <laughs>
0: inclusivity.
1: <laughs> Let me say this again. Inclusivity. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Yeah, let's work together towards a future that celebrates the diversity that we have and, you know, and treat everyone with dignity and and worth.
0: And I'll just say again, you know, that's I'm more than happy to, to have an open and respectful conversation. Unfortunately, our detractors aren't. So willing. But you're right. I mean, it has to happen. We have to just keep saying, look, we we are open to dialogue. But if your position is coming from the point of view, like Kathleen Stark, that if your starting point is I don't have a right to exist, then yeah, we're not (laughs) going to get very far. Anyway, on that note, it's a goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye
0: from Lee. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. See you soon. Love and light. Bye.